H-1B petitions for ID consultants. As many of you are aware, H-1B petitions for ID consultants have become increasingly challenging over the past couple of years. The USCIS now enforces certain aspects of the law and regulations which were vague and never previously enforced. Some of these rules include the USCIS verifying the availability of a specialty occupation through end client letters, verifying the duration of the H-1B employment through client contracts, and verifying the employer's right to control the work of the employee. Also, the issue of filing an amended petition when the project location changes has been highly controversial. A typical ID consulting arrangement involves a consulting company hiring a number of consultants to work at various client sites. Most clients do not contract directly with the consulting companies. Rather, the end clients generally contract with only one or a limited number of vendors who then contract with various consulting companies that provide the services of the consultants. So an IT consulting services arrangement generally involves an IT consultant hired by the consulting company, a mid-vendor, and an end client that ultimately receives the services of the consultant. Sometimes there is more than one mid-vendor between the client and the consulting company. This podcast discusses practical tips addressing some of the common issues which are faced by IT consulting companies who are filing H-1B petitions for their consultants. The first is the requirement to prove that the job offer is in a specialty occupation. As you may know, USCIS insists that that they need verification from the H-1B petitioner and client which ultimately receives the services of the beneficiaries regarding the job duties that the beneficiary will perform for the end client so that the end client can de- so that the USCIS can determine if the position that is being provided at the end client is actually in a specialty occupation as that's required under the H1B regulations Given this background, submitting an end client letter with an ID consultant H-1B petition will certainly substantially increase the chance of the petition approval. The end client letter should verify the tasks that the consultant will provide along with the educational requirements needed to perform those services. The end client letter should also verify the expected duration of the project and be signed on the end client official letterhead. An email from the end client may be sufficient in some circumstances. Again, it depends on what we can show, depending on what we have available and how best we can try to meet these these requirements. And when the end client is not writing the letter, most often due to the company policy, it is not a bad idea to try and document that evidence that all good faith attempts were made to obtain the required communication. Business contracts between the employer, the mid-vendor, and the end client, as well as SOWs, 
Statements of work and purchase orders, POs, may also be used to prove the existence of the specialty occupation and the right of control. Please note that this list that we've just shared at the Murti Law Firm is not an exhaustive list of the documents that you can include with an H-1B petition as each case involves different facts and circumstances. Although an H-1B petition, the next big item is the duration of employment. And so with respect to duration, although it's true that an H-1B petition can be requested for up to three years validity at a time, the USCIS does review the end client letters, the client contracts, the SOWs, and the POs to verify if the beneficiary's project with the end client will last for the entire three-year duration as requested in the petition. A confirmation of the project duration from the end client carries significantly more weight than a confirmation from a mid-vendor. Next, if the requested validity period cannot be verified through documentary evidence, meaning documents, the USCIS could very well issue an RFE, which is a request for evidence, or approve the petition only for the three months or six months or one year, whatever the project duration is. Therefore, it is important to submit the end client letter, which verifies the entire duration of the project to try to get the H-1 for the entire three-year time frame, if at all possible. Let's move to the next big topic, which is the valid employer-employee relationship, which became a huge big deal, as most of you are aware, since a couple, several years ago, but particularly after the January 10th, January 8, 2010 memo issued by USCIS. So the USCIS now requires documentary evidence that a valid employer-employee relationship exists in the employment context for an H-1B worker and that the petitioner has the right to control and the control, the manner, the means, and other aspects of the H-1B employee's services. Next, the petitioner must also show that the valid employer-employer relationship will continue to exist during the entire duration that we just discussed of the requested H-1 validity period. Then, that the duration for to confirm the duration, the USCIS will review the client letter and the contract documents to verify if the H-1 employment will actually last for the entire requested validity or duration. And finally, for this part of the topic, some of the documents that may evidence a valid employer-employee relationship include an employment agreement between the H-1B employer and the beneficiary detailing terms of employment, the dated performance reviews, documentation of employee benefits provided by the H-1 employer, internal organizational chart clearly showing the beneficiary and the company's reporting structure, employee's report on the work done at the client site, uh, maybe a template of documents to show the company's practice of supervising employees, all any and all other documents which show that, yes, we are directly controlling the work of this person. Again, like before, this is certainly not an exhaustive list of documents that can be included in order to try and obtain the H-1B petition approval because it will vary depending on the circumstances. And the next item, which is the work location and which is the last item that we're going to focus on in terms of the big topics, is 
whether we need a new LCA, just a simply a new LCA, or actually file an H-1B petition amendment with the USCIS based on the work location change. It is common for ID consultants to move from one project to another project, as we all know, and as a result, the work location will keep changing. Generally, on an H-1 petition, the employee is only allowed to work at the location that was mentioned on the certified H-1B labor condition application, which is filed with the petition and filed with the U.S. Department of Labor in order to file the petition. In 2003, the USCIS stated in correspondence that when the job location changes, a new LCA must be certified prior to the H-1 employee relocating to the new location. And the letter also stated that an AI amended I-129 or amended petition is not necessary in such a situation. However, there's a regulation which is vague on this issue and actually states the petitioner shall immediately notify the USCIS or the service of any changes in the terms and conditions of employment of a beneficiary which may affect the eligibility of the petition. And this is under 8 CFR 214.2H, 11, little i, capital A. It also states in the same, uh, in, a, uh, the, in the similar regulation in, under 8 CFR 214.2H, 2, little i, capital E, that the petitioner shall file an amended or a new petition with the USCIS where the original petition was filed to reflect any material change in the terms and conditions of employment or the employee's eligibility as specified in the original approved petition. And although USCIS has not been very clear on what constitutes a material change, there has been a lot of discussion at various ALA conferences and other places that there is a practical reason for filing an H-1B amendment because change of location is considered a material change because when USCIS sends the Fraud Detection and National Security or FDNS inspectors or Department of Labor does a site visit at the H-1B worker work site as listed on the form I-129, not necessarily on the LCA, to verify the employer and employee relationship to comply with the H-1B petition, it can cause confusion all around. And so if the employee is not working at that work site, the USCIS then could initiate a petition revocation process or issue a notice of intention to revoke the H-1 petition. So even if the LCA amendment was filed with the Department of Labor, the USCIS will not have that LCA amendment information with the USCIS in that particular employee's H-1B petition package. Therefore, despite the ambiguity and because of the ambiguity, an H-1B amendment is generally considered a safer method for an employer to consider, which will protect the employer and the employee should there be any kind of an investigation. As always, we recommend that employers and employees consult with knowledgeable, competent immigration lawyers who are familiar with the IT consulting industry if there is any change in the consultant's work location or any other factors that we have discussed in today's podcast. All of these factors need to be considered to maximize the chance for the approval. Thank you.